0: Friends, today we have entered into the season of Advent. And you know, traditionally, Advent, it's a season. It's a time for, for waiting, for, for deep longing, and for hope, right? Advent is, is all creation longing for Jesus to arrive. It's, it's Mary waiting for her baby to be born, and it's, it's the wise men traveling, journeying, hoping to see the newborn king. You know, that's what's so fun about this Wandering Wise Men series, not just the way we see them hiding around the sanctuary, but also the way that, that these uh, wise men, thinking about their story, helps us better understand what their story and their journey must have felt like. You know, when you think about it, the Wandering Wise Men, that's a tool we use to help us better tell the story. And there's lots of different tools that we can use to help us better tell stories or, or understand or think deeper or think differently about important truths, right? Sometimes we'll use tools like music, poetry, pictures, paintings, sculptures, or, or in the case of the wise men, little stuffed kings, little stuffed magi. And this morning, as we talk about Mary we see Mary using another tool. God's word to us this morning, it comes from the Gospel of Luke. We'll be reading Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 56. And, and in our story, we have Mary, she's the mother of Jesus, and she sings a song. And that song is another tool that is used to help us better understand the story and help us better realize what's really going on and what's really happening in the role that Mary played. And then, spoiler alert, after we read God's word, I'm going I'm to use another tool as well, but don't worry, I'm not going to burst out into song like Mary did. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that, right? So follow along as we read God's word this morning. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 39. Friends, hear now the word of the Lord. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I don't know about you guys, but I've always been fascinated by those different pictures that that artists sometimes make. And they're the kind where you look at the picture and you see something, but then after you stare at it a little longer, suddenly a, a whole nother picture pops out at you. Here, let me show you what I mean. I brought a few with me. I'll throw them on the screen. What do you see when you look at this? What do you see? A duck and and a rabbit. A duck or a rabbit, depending on how you look at it. If you're seeing something other than a duck or a rabbit, you probably want to get your eyes checked, Okay? (laughs) How about this picture? We see a basket of fruit, right? But notice what happens when we turn that picture upside down. We see a face. Right? These are cool, right? They're, they're impressive. I certainly couldn't do something like this. It's like the artist takes two different images and jams them together. Well, this morning, I brought a picture with me, and it's kind of like one of these pictures that we just talked about. You know, it's not two pictures where one is hidden in the other, but, but it's A picture of two different people who lived thousands of years apart but they've been juxtaposed they've been put right next to one another and what this picture does is it helps us think about each of these two people in a different way and understand it's a it's an imaginary picture right even though neither of these people actually met in person it's not a picture of something that physically happened Looking at this picture, I think, is really helpful and really moving because it's a tool that helps us better understand two people in a more biblical way. Are you ready? All right. I got this picture here. I know it's a little hard to see. I'll throw it on the screen as well. But in this picture... We have two different people, two different people. You can probably easily guess who they are, right? We have Mary, probably obvious. We're, we're in Advent. The title of the sermon today is Mary. But then we also have Eve. We have Eve. And you see this picture, I first came across it, I don't know, five, maybe, maybe ten years ago now, and it really moved me. It really moved me. In fact, sometimes I have looked at this picture, and, and I've been brought to tears looking at it. Now, in fairness, it's not that hard to do with me. I, I still get choked up at the end of Disney movies. But, <laughs> but when I purchased this picture, um, I, it's a print right, that I purchased, and it's, it was created by a nun who lives out in Iowa, and she used only crayons and colored pencils to, to, to make this image. But I purchased it because I think it's a, it's a picture of Advent and it's a picture of, of what Christmas is really all about because even though Eve and Mary didn't actually meet, even though they lived thousands of years apart, they both play a huge role in Advent and in the events of Christmas, God's plan for redeeming this world. But if we're going to talk about this, we've got to first just address the elephant in the room, right? Why Eve? Why are we talking about Eve in the middle of Advent? What does Eve have to do in a picture with Mary? Well, friends, you might not have caught this. In fact, I would be really impressed if you did because it's pretty obscure reference. But did you know that in the passage we just read, it's not only about Mary and Elizabeth, and it's not only about, about Jesus and John the Baptist, but our passage also points to Eve. And we see this in verse 42. Remember, Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. Mary speaks. The baby inside Elizabeth leaps for joy. And then Elizabeth proclaims something. And what, it's what she proclaims that is just so intriguing. Verse 42. In a loud voice, she, that is Elizabeth, exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. And what's so fascinating about this is that there are only two places in the entire Bible where a woman is described as being blessed among women. There's our passage in Luke that we just read today, and then there's also one in Judges chapter 5. Now, you need to bear with me a moment. We've got to make a pit stop. We have a layover in Judges 5 before we get to our final destination. Okay, so just stick with me. What we have in Judges 5 is we have another woman singing a song. It's not Elizabeth. This time it's Deborah, one of the Israelite judges. And and what Deborah is doing, just like in our passage, we have one woman, Elizabeth, in our passage, proclaiming a blessing over Mary, calling her blessed among all women, and actually giving her a double blessing, right? Blessed are you among women, blessed is is the child you will bear, So, too, in Judges 5, we have a different woman, Deborah, singing a song, proclaiming a blessing about another woman, Jael, and giving her a double blessing and calling her blessed among women. Judges 5, 24. Deborah is singing, Most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, most blessed of tent dwelling women. And so you start to see the connection, at least between our passage and this passage in Judges, right? You have two women singing, and and, and someone in each of them is being called blessed among women and is receiving a double blessing. Now, the reason Jael is blessed is pretty gory, okay? She's being blessed and celebrated because she drove a tent peg, a stake, to the head of the commander of the Canaanite army. His name was Sisera. But like I said, this is a layover, right? Because what you have to understand is the story of JL actually points back to an even earlier story. It points back to the story of Eve because after Deborah blesses JL, Deborah describes what JL did in her song saying this, her hand reached for the tent peg, her right hand for the workman's hammer. She struck Sisera. She crushed his Head. That phrase, crushing his head, probably rings a bell for us, right? Where else in the Bible do we have a woman and her enemy and a description of that enemy's head being crushed? Genesis 3. Genesis 3. Eve eats the forbidden fruit, right? Actually, both Adam and Eve eat it. It's the fall of humanity. Sin and death and, and brokenness enter into this world. And then God, he gives different punishments, different curses to, to all the people involved. And, and this is what God says to the serpent, the, the, the devil, the one who deceived Eve. Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head And you will strike his heel. See, the words that Elizabeth speaks to Mary, they point back to Jael, our layover, which point all the way back to Eve. And even more, friends, it goes full circle because the story of Eve, I don't know if you know this, but it points forward to the story of Mary. That verse in Genesis, it points forward to Jesus. Theologians, they refer to this verse as, as the proto-evangelium, the proto-evangelium. it's a Latin word, but it means literally the first gospel, the first gospel, because all the way back in Genesis three, God is pointing forward to Jesus, because Jesus is the offspring, right? The offspring of Mary, and by extension, the offspring of Eve, the one whom Satan would strike, but the one whom Jesus would ultimately. Defeat. See, all the way back with Eve, God was pointing us forward to Mary and Jesus. And so, just like with this picture, even though Mary and Eve lived thousands of years apart, their stories are woven together in God's plan. And what's exciting is once we realize this, we see so many different connections between each of these two women. We don't have enough time to go through all of them. If you ever want to talk about it, I'd be more than happy to. But let me highlight some. I'll throw them on the screen for you as well. In both stories, we have a a virgin who becomes a significant mother. Genesis 3 tells us that Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. And with Mary, she is the mother of Jesus. Jesus. Theologians call her the theotokos. It's, it's a Greek word. It means the God-bearer. Theos, which means God, and tokos, which means bearer or birther. And when you think about it, what that kind of means, in a sense, is that Mary is the mother of the spiritually living. Not her herself, but she's the mother of Jesus, and Jesus is the head of the church. What else? Both are visited by angels. Did you realize that? Eve visited by, by the serpent, Satan, but he is a fallen angel. He tells Eve lies and he deceives her. Mary is visited and her, she is visited by the angel Gabriel who comes and tells her the truth and brings good news. What else? There's fruit involved in both. For Eve, she eats the forbidden fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For, for Mary... The fruit is Jesus. In fact, in our passage, uh, when, when it talks about um, the child that Elizabeth, the blessing she says over Mary, she says, blessed is the child you will bear. But in the Greek, it literally says, blessed is the fruit of your womb. Both stories deal with our relationship as human beings to God. In Eve, we as humanity want to become like God. In Mary, we have God in the flesh. God becomes like us in every way. He becomes one of us except for sin. In Eve, you have an action that brings death to all the living. In in Mary, really in Jesus, through Mary, you have an action that brings life to the dead. And in both, you have incredibly good news. The Proto-Evangelium in Genesis 3, like we talked about. And in Mary, we didn't read it, but in Luke 2, you know the passage... She's told good news of great joy that will be for all people. You see, you can't talk about Mary without talking about Eve, and you can't talk about Eve without talking about Mary, because Eve's story, what it did is it longed for what God would one day do through Jesus, through Mary, but ultimately through Jesus. And Mary's story, it's the fulfillment of God's promise all the way back to Eve. And what I love about this picture is that you see Eve's longing so clearly. When you look at Eve, you see her cheeks reddened with shame. You see her face cast down in sadness. It's represented by an apple, but you see her clinging to the fruit that cost her everything. Everything. Look at her feet, you see the way how the serpent is still wrapped around her, how she's still tangled up, unable to free herself from sin and its effects. Friends, we look at this picture and we feel Eve's longing and pain, don't we? In fact, I think other than Jesus, Adam and Eve lived the worst possible lives, the worst lives imaginable you know we may sometimes be quick to blame them for what they did right how they disobeyed god how how they messed everything up even though if we're truly honest any one of us we would have done the same thing and even though we can relate to adam and eve even though every single one of us we know what it's like to live in a broken world with broken people broken relationships a broken creation And even though, just like Adam and Eve, every single one of us, we know what it's like to feel ashamed, to have regrets, and to be completely tangled up in sin and unable to free ourselves, Adam and Eve, they knew something we didn't know. See, they knew what it was like to live in the before times. They knew what it was like to live in the garden, to have everything they could possibly need to feel no pain, no sadness, no brokenness. They they knew what it was like to be truly free. They knew what it was like to be truly alive. They knew what it was like to walk with God unashamed and unafraid. See, unlike you and me and everyone else, Adam and Eve, they knew what they were missing. They knew what they could never go back to. And they lived the rest of their lives in that state. I mean, imagine how they felt every time one of their kids or grandkids got sick, or every time one of their kids or grandkids was hungry, knowing it didn't have to be like this. Imagine how they felt when their oldest son killed their second child. You think that didn't weigh on them? You think they didn't feel the consequences Of their actions? You think they didn't long for God's promise to come true? You think they didn't long for that serpent to finally be crushed? Friends, Eve's longing in that picture, it's the same longing every single one of us has felt. It's the same longing the Jewish people felt. It's the same longing all creation felt, the longing for God to finally make things right again. In fact, it's the same longing that inspired Mary's song, her Magnificat, what we read this morning. Keep in mind, Mary, she was probably only 12 or 13 when she sang these words, but even then, friends, she understood. Even then, she knew the deep longing. We hear it in her words. And just like with pictures and those other tools, Mary's song, it is, it is two things jammed together. It is longing and hope mixed together. She starts out saying, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And then she tells us why. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. In other words, God's seen us. He he knows what we're going through. He knows that we are so desperate to see him make things right. She continues, his mercy extends to those who fear him. And understand that word mercy what it really means is God's steadfast love, his loyal love, even in the midst of our shame and our brokenness. What about everything else that's so wrong in this world, the injustices, the corruption, the abuse and mistreatment, all those things we long to see go away? Jesus' coming marks the final days for all of that. What does Mary sing? He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. In the Gospel of Luke especially, it shows us all the ways that Jesus cared deeply for the people that the powerful ignored. He has filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich away empty. Friends, Mary's song is revolutionary. She's calling out everything that's wrong in this world, everything that's wrong with people, everything that's wrong with the powers that be. How could she possibly dare do that? Well, it's because she's carrying inside her the end Of all those things she's carrying inside her, the one who came to strike the fatal blow and the one who's coming back to finish what he started. Listen to what Isaiah says about Jesus. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. You know why we call him Jesus? Matthew tells us it's because he will save his people from their sins. He's going to save each one of us from that grip sin has. That serpent wrapped around the legs of us and of this world. Think about what that meant for Mary. Think about what that meant for Eve. Think about what that means for all of us. See, friends, Mary sang because the hope of Eve and the hope of every single one of us was finally here, even in the midst of the darkness. I love that hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And what does it say? Yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting light, The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Friends, that's the point of Mary's song. That's the point of Advent. That's the point of this picture. Don't get me wrong, there's plenty to admire about Mary and her faith. But did you notice she's not at the center of this picture? You see who is? Right in the middle. It's Jesus, it's the one she's carrying. See, this is a picture of grace, redemption, and hope, but Mary's song is a song of grace, redemption, and hope. How do we see that? Well, think about it. Like we said, we can't even imagine what it must have been like for Adam and Eve to have to leave that garden. We couldn't possibly understand, but you know who did understand? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus didn't just leave the garden, as great as that was. He left his Father's throne above. He he left heaven itself for sinners just like you and me today. The wonder of Advent, the wonder we see in Eve's face, the wonder we hear in Mary's song, it's the wonder of God's love, the wonder that God is with us, our Emmanuel. And it's the wonder that God still uses people like Mary, people like Eve and people like you and me to carry out his amazing plans because in this story, it's not just Eve that we can relate to. We can also relate to Mary. We talked about how pictures and songs and and even stuffed wise men, right, they're all tools that, that help us see and understand and remember. Well, part of the wonder of Advent is just like God used Eve to be the mother of all the living, just like God used J.L. to conquer the Canaanite army, just like God used Mary as a vessel to carry his son, friends, God uses each one of us as his vessels too. He uses each one of us to carry the wonder and hope of Jesus to a world who desperately needs to hear and experience it. And while there's so many different ways that we could do this, I want to just leave you with one because I think it is so important. How do we live as vessels of Christ? Well, I'd say we do what we see Mary doing in this picture. We learn from this 13-year-old girl. Because as we go through this life, we encounter so many different people every single day. When we encounter people who are broken and despairing, we go to them. We tell them about the one who healed us, the one who gave us and still gives us hope, and the one who can heal them and give them hope too. When we see people who look like Eve, ashamed, with their head cast down because of who they are or what they've done, we gently lift up their gaze, not to us, not so they can see us and be like us and do what we're doing, but so that they can see the one who loves them so much he left heaven for them. And most importantly, when we encounter people who are still desperately clinging to their sins, refusing to let them go, We don't berate them, we don't criticize them, we don't look down on them with judgment and scorn. Instead, we see the full picture. We look down, not at them, but at their feet. And we remind ourselves that as foolish and stubborn as they may seem, as irritating as it may be for us, as obvious as it may seem to us, the real reason they're clinging to their sin, it's because sin has wrapped itself around them and they are helplessly tangled up by the serpent, unable to free themselves, just like we were. If we're honest, just like we sometimes still are. Because you see, friends, it's only when we see things as they really are that we realize that we can't fix that other person. But you know what we can do? We can gently take one of their sin-stained hands into one of our sin-stained hands, and we can place it right on the beating heart of Jesus. We can help them encounter the one, the only one, who can truly set them free. And that right there is what it looks like to be God's vessel. It's showing the compassion we see Mary showing here, which we all know is really just an extension of the compassion Jesus first showed us and Jesus showed to each of those women. Friends, that's how you bear the good news of Jesus Christ, just like Mary did. Because the wonder and hope of Advent, it's Jesus shining his light and love right through the middle of our brokenness. And it's carrying inside us the good news of the one who defeated sin and death and hell and carrying his news to the rest of the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, Lord, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for, for coming down to us in Christ. We thank you for, for entrusting us, not just forgiving us, but entrusting us to carry Jesus' light forward. And so, Lord, we just humbly pray, help us to do that well. Help us to lovingly encounter, to lovingly interact with all the people you place in our lives. Help us to show them mercy and compassion and grace, and ultimately, help us to point them right to Jesus. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.